Time is short. Every one of us here has been given the same amount of time in a day. 1,440 minutes a day, 168 hours per week. If I told, if someone had told me when I was 20 years old that life was very short and would pass just like that, I wouldn't have believed it. Like the grass we spring up and like the grass we are mowed down. My days are like a shadow that declineth and I'm withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shall endure forever and thy remembrance unto all generations. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Fill your heart with the word of God. I've found that those who know the scriptures are the ones that have the power today. The time is urgent. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him that sent us. The night is coming when no man can work. The night is going to come in your life. The fact that time is short calls for something now. Every morning we have 86 1,400 seconds to spend and to invest. What a thing it is when you think that you have just one short life to spend and it'll soon be over. And uh, yes, I'd like to apologize for the Green Bay apparel. Uh, and I'm very thankful for the Elgays. Thank you, Tom and Jill. Yes. So, all right. I have a lot to share with you today. And what we want to focus on for just a moment in our text of Scripture is in verse 18 of Matthew 28, some of the last words of Jesus before he ascended on high to the Father's right hand. And this is what he said to his disciples in verse 18 of Matthew 28. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Years ago, Kathy and I had the opportunity to plant a church. And in planting the church, our goal was to not necessarily rearrange people from other churches, but to actually reach the community for Christ. And in that church, when we planted it, anywhere between 30 to 50% of the people who were attending the church were new believers. It was amazing what God was doing in the works, in the lives of people. One couple showed up on Sunday. They came in a little bit late. They'd actually tried to go to another church, but they were late for that service, and they showed up at our church, and they were able to be on time, so they kind of rushed in and, and got a place. And after the service, uh, the young man, again, the young couple with a couple kids, a uh, young man spoke to me and says, hey, you know, I really like the music and, uh, you know, I play guitar. You know, do you think I could uh, help with your, your praise team with, your, with the music here at your church? And I said, well, you know, why don't you come back and we'll have you work with our worship director. And 
and uh, see if you can play and see if you can sing, and we'll see if we can get you plugged in here. And sure enough, he got plugged in, started uh, coming to church with his family weekly, started getting involved in Bible studies. I invited him to the youth group and uh, just to kind of sit in and see what we're doing. And it turned out that this guy, he was the West Michigan area Budweiser distributor. And uh, so now I've got a guy who's, you know, selling beer in the community and he's helping with worship. And I'm like, oh dear, I'm not sure how this works. And, um, but I didn't say anything about it. And uh, as time goes on, he, he came to the youth group and he's wearing his jacket and on his jacket, it's got, you know, Budweiser. And I'm like, oh no, no, not at the youth group. No, that's not good. And um, during the youth group, again, I don't write these things. I don't arrange these things, but here he is sitting there listening to the students during a prayer time. And the students were sharing prayer requests. And, you know, one kid says, yeah, pray for my mom. She's really, she's wrestling. She's an alcoholic. And uh, another kid said, hey, you know, pray pray for my aunt. She got hit by a drunk driver. And, you know, I didn't say, I didn't arrange to have these things said. This is just what's happening. And my friend who's now coming to the service and now coming to youth group, uh, the following week comes the youth group and he's got the same bud jacket on, but he's removed the tag. I didn't tell him to do that. He's under conviction to do that. Several weeks went by and he comes up to me and he goes, Brad, I need to find a new job. I can't be, you know, delivering keggers all over the place anymore. God's changing my life. The question was for this couple, this family that we were ministering to, you know, were we going to be able to lead them to Christ? Were we going to be able to then disciple them? Were they going to come to a place of actually not just knowing him, but actually following him with their lives? And so that really came down to us as a church. Were we going to make disciples? There are many churches that have become ineffective in their ministry. Just look around. There's some churches that are becoming more and more empty these days as they have lost their vision and mission. But the main thing for the church, the main thing for us is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing by God's grace is for us to make disciples who make disciples for the glory of God. Our mission as a church, as we'll see in our study today, is to make disciples. Our motivation, our motive in making disciples is love. God's chosen method of disciple making is ultimately through the church. And it's time for all of us to get in the game. Again, our mission at Oakwood is to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Years ago, I went to a particular conference called Sun Life. There's a guy who was teaching this conference on discipleship. His name was Dan Spader. And Dan Spader was uh, previously a student at Moody Bible Institute, and he was being trained to be a youth pastor. And one of his professors made it very clear that, by the way, the the disciples that Jesus was working with in all likelihood were very young men. And so he was thinking to himself, but boy, if I'm going to be a youth pastor, and, you know, Jesus was kind of basically running a youth group, you know, maybe I should learn how Jesus did ministry so that I could be a better youth pastor. And so he started studying the life of Christ. He started tearing it apart. 
and he realized that there was quite a bit of strategy behind what Jesus was accomplishing in the life of his disciples and how he built them up in their faith, how he then equipped them for ministry, and then how he sent them out to win the loss to himself. This is what we're going to be focusing on today, focusing on the life of Christ and what it means for us as a church to go and make disciples. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to study your word. And Lord, help us to be attentive to it. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say more than all else. Some of us need to be challenged by what's said today. I know I've been over the years with the truth of your word. It's my prayer that be the case for everyone in this room. So Lord, be our guide, be our teacher. Open our hearts to the truths that we need to deal with today in terms of being a church that makes disciples. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Help us not to miss anything you have for us. We pray this in your son's wonderful, awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined from the materials you received when you came in, here's the first truth that we're going to look at. Our mission as a church is to make disciples. And we just read this. Our mission is to make disciples by way of the Great Commission where Jesus said, Jesus came and said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and, all, and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, as you look at this passage, there's really only one commandment, okay? What's the commandment? Who knows what the commandment is in this passage? What is it? No, it's not go. I love you and thanks for playing, but it's not go. It's make disciples. Now, in the Greek, in the original language, there's three participial phrases of which the first one is go or going, an I-N-G word, that's a participle. In other words, as you are going, you're to be about making disciples. The passage goes on to say, baptizing them. In other words, as you go, we should be winning people to Christ and then baptizing them. That is bringing a person to a place where they will identify with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what baptism is? When I identify with Christ, that I put my faith and trust in him to such a degree that I understand that I need to now die to self and I go under the water and I need to be brought forth to new life as I come out of the water. Now, does the water actually do that? No, your faith does that, but the, the water is an illustration. It's an outward expression of an inward reality of what God has done in your world that you're now ready to identify with Christ personally. But then what else does it say? As you go, or as you are going, make disciples, baptizing them, and then teaching them. Teaching them. That is equipping them to do ministry. Now, if you look at the life of Christ, that's precisely what he did. He built believers up in their faith. That's what he did with the, these disciples. He started with 12 guys, one didn't make the cut, i.e. Judas, right? But the other 11, the reason we're here today is because of those 11 guys who he changed their world by his grace. And he built them up in their faith to such a degree that they identified with him spiritually. 
And then he equipped them. You'll recall that initially he sent out the 12 to do ministry. He, he gave them ministry opportunities. He taught them. And all the while, they're listening to his teaching. They're watching him heal people. And the 12 came back after he gave him instructions on what to do. They came back. And what did he do? He then sent out the 70 because now the group has gotten bigger to do ministry, to win the lost. Building believers, equipping workers, winning the lost. That's exactly what Jesus did over the three years of his ministry. And it seemed to me as I'm sitting in this seminar listening to Dan Spader talk about this, I was like, well, duh. Why, why wouldn't we model as a church Jesus's very ministry in terms of touching hearts and lives? And that's what I've done every church I've been to. And I hope to do here. Now, some general observations. First of all here, our mission is clear. This is not super complicated. Make disciples. Now, a lot of people go, well, you know, what's the church about? What's the purpose of the church? Your answer should immediately be make disciples. Now, are we a family? Yes. Do we help each other? Yes. But the ultimate goal by way of bringing glory and honor to God is to make disciples who will then in turn make disciples. Wrapped around this, secondly, if you saw it in the passage we just read, wrapped around our mission is the promise of Christ's active presence. Did you see that? As you go, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, and behold, he says, at the very end of verse 20, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's a long time. So this is what he promises. He promises his active manifest presence in us as a church to bring about what he's called us to do. So our mission is clear and wrapped around our mission is the promise of Christ's active presence. Thirdly, a healthy church is not necessarily a big one or a busy one. We're not just trying to you know, just build this big, huge thing. Or, you know, let's make sure we're super busy doing lots of stuff. If how big we are or how busy we are clouds our purpose to make disciples, we're doing something wrong. We need to make sure we're keeping the main thing, the main thing as a church, as a body of believers. And so fourthly then, a healthy church is one that is regularly winning people to Christ building them up in their faith and equipping them to reach others. This is what we should be about, winning people to Christ, building them up in their faith and equipping them. You guys, if you cut me, this is what I'm gonna bleed. This is what I do. I long to work with people, lead them to Christ by God's grace and then disciple them to make them ready to touch hearts and lives. Those who work with me in the office, they know that that's what I'm about and I'm not gonna shrink back from it, can't make me. That's who I am by God's grace. But not only is it our mission to make disciples, but secondly, our motive is love. You know, the question might go, well, why? Why, why would we wanna do this? So that God will ultimately receive more glory. Why? Because there are now more worshipers, those who will follow him and worship him. There are more disciples. 
our motive is our love, not only for God, but our love for others because of the love we've received from God. This is by way of the great commandment in Mark 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, first of all, we have to understand the motivation of this question, this guy asking Jesus the question. Most of the Jews knew that it was pretty impossible to keep all 10 of the commandments. So the thought was, you know, if we could find like that one commandment we could keep really well, then maybe that would be impressive to God from a works standpoint. And so this guy asked this question, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he goes to the Shema, the Shema, in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your, your mind and with all your strength. So how, how should you love God? With everything you are. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's it. Love God, love others. Matter of fact, in another passage, it says that this is the summation of the law to love him and to love others. How you doing at that? Well, I love God. It's those other people. They're the ones bugging me. But we're called to love them too. Love God, love others. Beloved, we are called to love God and to love others. Again, by way of some general observations, our motive is clear. Love is our motive. Making disciples is our mission. And we might ask, well, on what basis? On what basis should we go and love others? Well, we love, why? Because he first loved us. You know the verse. Because I've been so loved, because I've been so forgiven, because I've received so much grace, I should go and pour that into other people because of what I've received. Now, quite frankly, if you can't do that, then I'm not sure you understand what you've received from him. In other words, as Christ followers, as Christians, we should be the most forgiving people on the planet. Based on the fact that we've been forgiven so much, he's loved us so much. I have no right to hold anybody in contempt. And so you've seen it, you know, you're at McDonald's and there's that guy in front of you who's giving the person behind the counter a hard time. You know, here's somebody making minimum wage and they forgot your fries. Oh, let's give them a hard time. As if they don't have a hard enough time as it is. I love being the guy behind it. I go, hey, take your time, no hurry. And, you know, if you forget something, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out later. You know, can we be the people that brings grace to people? Kindness? It's... Scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I praise God for his incredible, outrageous kindness to me. I don't deserve that. And now we're in a position to go and dump that kind of grace, that kind of care, that kind of kindness in the lives of others as we love God and love people. So again, uh, our motive is clear. And secondly, Make sure you get this. We can't say we love God and yet not love people. 
As a matter of fact, from God's perspective, it's impossible to say, I love God, yet not love people. This is what John writes in 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a what? A liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whosoever loves God must also love his brother. In other words, if you can't love other people, you don't get it. Yeah, but there's some really, really bad people. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm one of them. I'm a bad people too. We're all sinners. I love you guys. You're all wonderful. I, you know, you're great. I want to shake your hand after the service, say hi, good to see you. But you're, you're all a bunch of sinners. And so am I. And we all are desperately longing to be loved. And through this, our ultimate goal is to glorify God. The ultimate goal here is the glory of God. The greatest result and ultimate goal of the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, loving God and loving others. The great commission, go and make disciples, is precisely the glory of God. Even before going to the cross, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, this is incredible, in John 17, 4, listen to what Jesus says. This is before he goes to the cross. He goes, I glorified you on earth. Here's Jesus talking to God his Father in a heavenly prayer. I, glor I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute, you haven't gone to the cross yet. Isn't that the work that you came to do? Well, yes, it is. But there's something else. What was it? At this moment, at the very end of Jesus' you know, three-year ministry before he goes to the cross, he just said, incredibly, I've accomplished the work that you gave, gave me to do. Well, what did he accomplish? He made 11 disciples. You go, oh, that's right. And without those 11 disciples, there's no one to tell about the fact that he died and rose again. How essential are those guys? And this blows my mind. God chose to use these men to turn the world upside down. You understand Rome was in control, and not too long after that, all of Rome was turned upside down. And quite frankly, he ended up being out of business. John Piper writes this, missions exist, that is, the desire to reach those around the world. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Ultimately, the point of God's story is not missions. It's not salvation. It's not families. It's not disciple making. The point of God's story is God. The most crucial issue in missions is the centrality of God in the life of the church. When all is said and done, we are ultimately not the point. God is. Brilliant assessment that we bring glory to him through how we make disciples, through how we love people. So then thirdly here, lastly, God's chosen method for discipleship is through the church. This is what, how he's ordained it. Ephesians 3.10, Paul writes, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had, has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, the, the local church exists as God's chosen vehicle for helping believers make disciples. 
Now, in some cases, the church is a hindrance to that. And it's my hope that we create an environment where we're actually helping you to make disciples. So therefore, on a, as a ministry, we also, secondly here, we must develop a balanced biblical ministry that encourages balanced biblical living. In other words, if you're so busy, 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 working on building things, building up your faith, and you're not equipped to do ministry, or we don't give you opportunities to win others to Christ, then we're unbalanced. So how should this look at Oakwood? Well, let me throw this slide up here. Here's the schematic. Now, the leadership, I've been sharing this with the leadership for the last two years. I know it's kind of crazy to think that as of... Uh, uh, the end of November, I've been here two years. Wow, time's flying, isn't it? There it is, win, build, equip. So on the top end, we've got winning people to Christ. How's that done? Through spiritual CPR. There's a cool phrase for you. Cultivating relationships. Planting seeds of truth. And then reaping a harvest as you have opportunity to present the gospel. Sometimes, sometimes as you are plowing up the hard ground, it's pretty hard, and people don't want to hear it. But you just keep cultivating, and you keep planting, you just throw a little seed, a truth nugget out there, and see what God does with it. And by God's grace, reaping a harvest. And then we want to build them up in their faith. Well, how are we doing that? Well, there's four components of building people up in their faith. Worship. We want to make sure our worship is vibrant. I'm very thankful for Jeff and the ministry team our worship team for all that they do each Sunday to lead us in worship, along with Larry. By the way, where are you, Larry? Way to go, Larry. Larry had a bout with the, the hospital this week, and he's here today. I'm so glad to see him. But thank you, for, thank you for leading us in praise with how you play that organ each week. We're so thankful to you. That's all part of our worship. The Word as you can tell, I'm not going to get away from the word. Our ministries, our focus, we're going to make sure we're focused on the truth of God's word. It's a Bible study, a life group. If it's youth ministry, student ministry, what, uh, children's ministry, whatever we're doing, we want God's word to be the centerpiece of that. Fellowship, spending time together. Man, I hope you go down that hall today and you just hang out with us for a minute. Maybe you don't want a hot dog for lunch. Get something later. But if you want a hot dog, there's plenty of them. We got lots of hot dogs down there. And the fresh made popcorn, I hope to smell that right when I walk in the door. To, uh, I love popcorn. Become fellowship with us. If you want to grow spiritually, obviously there's a little fellowship that takes place here. But really, in a corporate worship setting, fellowship and you know, intercessory prayer where we're praying for each other. Yeah, there's been some prayers during this service. But has your need specifically been prayed for? Well, probably not. But if you're in a life group or if you're in a Bible study, men's group, women's ministry, maybe some good prayer can take place. So dive into one of those opportunities. Fellowship and prayer. You'll see it says that that's really the focus of our life groups. So really to be in a place where you're being built up in your faith, being here on Sundays on Sunday morning, and then being a part of a life group, that's where you're gonna have the full component of being built up in your faith. 
But then there's the equipping aspect. And the equipping aspect has to do with Oakwood University classes, like on Wednesday night. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, a, a class the next 10 weeks on, on focusing on Christian marriage. Again, I encourage you to come out to that. It's at 6 o'clock. And uh, it should be great fun, incredible information from God's Word about how two should be one. Uh, or our ABS classes, our adult Bible studies on Sunday mornings. Uh, I know Kent Allman's doing a great job with systematic theology. We've got Kevin Grubbs uh, teaching a particular book of the Bible. We've got Jill Elier uh, in her class with the ladies. I'm teaching a class on biblical peacemaking on Sunday mornings at 9.30. Come on in. Get some development. Be equipped to do ministry. Okay? Uh, and this is, of course, through that, we're helping people to be trained up to reach their peers and to care for their peers, right? Peer care, peer share. This is all what we should be about. And this is what we're trying to do with all of our ministries. So, for example, Nick, as he oversees our youth ministry, we want Nick focusing on building events for his students. We want him to focus on equipping events and for outreach events so other students can come to Christ. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. Now, last few thoughts here as we wrap this up. The only way we can do this is by having leadership and staff committed to making disciples. I can tell you that that's the case. Ever since I've been here, the, the elders and the deacons, our board, and the, the staff that we have, whether it's Jenny or Jeff or Nick uh, with the children's ministry, worship ministry, and student ministry, we're all on the same page with what we're trying to do. We just want to make disciples and make disciples for the glory of God. So having leadership and staff committed to making disciples, having a congregation that is committed to making disciples, that remains to be seen. And I can't wait to see it. You know, it's one thing to go, well, that's the pastor's job. He should be making the disciples. I agree with you. And if I'm not, ready, ready for this one? If I'm not making disciples, you need to fire me. I'm dead serious. Because the whole point is I should be living in such a way where I'm modeling what it looks like to make disciples. And if I'm not doing that, you need to get somebody in here who does or who will. Okay? That's important. But the sheep are the ones who should have sheep, right? <laughs> sheep deliver sheep. So go make disciples. Again, having the resources of time, talent, and treasure committed to making disciples. We need resources to do this. We need people's time. We need your ongoing giving and your talent. You know, if you're giving uh, financially to support our ministry, that's great. Thank you. And maybe sometimes there are those here who wrestle with giving, you know, to a church or whatever. I understand there, there's some concerns. Let me just challenge you a little bit. Maybe don't give to the church. There's a, there's a crazy statement. Don't give to the church. Give to the ministry of the church. Support the ministry of the church. Because as you give, you're supporting, for example, a youth pastor who's making disciples with our students. Or you're helping with our Awana program as we reach out to the neighborhood with children. Or we're supporting our missions initiatives overseas. Give to ministry. And again, if we're not doing any ministry, if we're just you know, hitting the air, not doing anything, then yeah, don't. But where we're, giving, where we're doing it, man, give, support us. Because we need all the help we can get to do what we're doing. 
We don't want to be limited by resources. John Calvin, the great reformer, got a great quote here. Um, You know, I've been thinking, I've been praying and thinking about this particular message for like the last six months as I knew it was coming for fall kickoff. And uh, I was teaching a class for Cornerstone University this last semester. And as I'm reading it, and I had this idea in my back of my mind, I, I thought, you know, boy, it'd be great we could do this thing and, you know, get in the game. Yeah, that'd be a great thing, you know. And I'm reading this, minding my own business, reading a book on church history for a class I'm teaching uh, by Bruce Shelley. And I came to this little paragraph about John Calvin, of all things. And here's a, a little quote from John Calvin, the great reformer. It says, years later, looking back over his career, Calvin observed, quote, being by nature a bit antisocial and shy. Anybody relate to that? A little antisocial and shy, that's you. That was John Calvin, hard to believe, the great reformer. Being by nature a bit antisocial and shy, I always loved retirement and peace. <laughs> oh, some of you, well, yeah, I, I don't want to do anything. Neither did he. But God has so whirled me around by various events that he has never let me rest anywhere. Man, I hope that's the case for you. But in spite of my natural inclination, has thrust me into the light and made me get into the game, as they say. This guy dates back to like the 15, 1600s, and he's talking about getting in the game. Oh, and they didn't have the Packers then. Go figure right? Here's a guy who sees himself as shy and antisocial, and he knew that he needed to get in the game. I know for some of you might not believe this, but I'm kind of an introvert. Uh, I remember when I first started doing some public speaking, I, uh, the, I'd get up and my knee would knock like crazy, and I, I, was just, I didn't like it at all. What cured me of that is teaching high school mathematics for a couple of years, where you got up every day and you had to light up the room, right? Let's talk about math. Make it exciting. But it doesn't matter what your background is, what your story is. Make yourself available and then let God do amazing things with you by his sheer grace. So my ministry challenge for you is, hey, get in the game. I got a little slip. Did you see this little slip? Did you take a look at it? You got three more weeks for the rest of September. We're going to have one in October too, but here's the first one for you to show the love of Christ. That's what we're talking about. Love God, love people. You want to love some people? Here you go. And you can do a couple of these. You know, don't, if you do it once, don't bring a, you know, a new one back every week. No, for every new one you do. September, show the love of Christ. Give a specialty coffee to your neighbor or coworker. You know, make sure it's something they want. Uh, I, don't, I don't drink coffee, so don't get one for me. Um, Bake some cookies or a pie for your neighbor. There's a great idea. Bring this slip next week and drop it off at the Connect Center for our tally board. We'll put a tally board up and we'll find out how many coffees we gave out, how many cookies, how many pies we made. Would you do that? Come on, let's get in the game. Let's do something. You've got a neighbor right over there. You know who they are. Go there. Hey, here's a pie. I made it for you. I want you to have it. And be sweet, be awesome. Uh, You've got the map. You want to get in the game here? You open this guy up, you got a little map of who's in there, what's going on. We got all these ministry leaders. So like Oakwood kids, Jenny, stand up right there. Sorry, I'm gonna pick on you. 
There she is. She's awesome. Okay. And if you can help with our children's ministry, go talk to Jenny. And by the way, we put her right by the entrance. So you can't miss her. You walk in, she's right on the left. There she is. On the right side, you got planning center. If you're not getting church emails, you want to be a part of the, you know, the outreach information that's coming out uh, with what we're doing regularly, uh, make sure we have your name in the system so you can get a, a weekly email. Uh, further down around the corner, you got mops there. Uh, boy, Abby Smith. Abby's incredible too. We got some incredible people here, you guys. Um, Abby, uh, the mothers of preschoolers, right? This incredible outreach to our community. Um, uh, Abby, where are you? How many moms do you have come usually? 25 to 30 ladies, and some of them don't go to our church. We don't care. Pardon? We need more moms. We need more children. So have more kids. It's okay. Come on. Let's build a kingdom. We can do it a couple ways. All right? But think about that. That means there's 28, you know, 23 to 28 who are not a part of our church who you're ministering to. So thank you for that. And if you want to talk to her about how you can help her, uh, Jenny Bessert has needs. Uh, Abby Smith has needs with those ministries. And then there's Awana on Sunday nights. There's Ron right there. Ron and Chris, if you guys wave, there you are. And uh, talk to those guys if you want to help uh, with that. Uh, you can uh, help with being a teacher or listen to verses, play, you know, help the kids play games. Got the kitchen folks, they're not in here, but uh, the uh, Campbells uh, and Gary Cortman, uh, they're awesome people if you want to help with the kitchen or maybe uh, helping on Sunday mornings with uh, the snack time between the services, you can plug in there. Then youth ministry, we got Nick right here and Sky. Uh, he's, Nick's awesome. He's a kid magnet. Kids like this, come hang out with this guy. Um, so, and not only that, we've got uh, Jared Lavoy, our intern, sitting over here by my wife, Kathy, and he's, he's going to be working with the junior high this fall and also helping with our uh, college and career life group, which is great. Then you got Tom on the far side with missions and uh, his life group with Carol Aldridge over there. And then you see the numbers, 4237, you go, well, what's that? Well, look on the back, and you'll see the various life groups and ABS classes that correspond to the number. If you're not coming to Sunday school, if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to go to one of these tables and find some place to plug in. Now, you'll notice on the green side here, some of these will say open but limited. Uh, and so some of them, they don't, there's not a whole lot of room to squeeze in uh, for that to work. Uh, so uh, make sure, so for example, uh, Kent and YY Alleman's group is pretty full. Tom and Jill Elliott's group is pretty full. Uh, Jeff and Melody's group is pretty full. So if you want to be a part of those groups, you better get to that table first because they only got one or two spots left. Uh, if, you, if you want, I am starting a new group, uh, number nine, come to my table, and that's uh, table number nine in the corner. We have Joy Fellowship, Men's Ministry, be there with Tim Peterson. Uh, you can jump into Kathy and I. We're starting a new group for adults, and uh, we'd love to have you come. And it's only once a month. Ooh, super big commitment. No, at least once a month, you'll be cared for. We're going to feed you. We're going to fellowship, and we're going to pray for each other. It's awesome. Uh, worship, there's Jeff. You can't miss Jeff, okay? He was this big guy here. How tall are you? Six what? Six five. So all, it's all Jeff right there. Um, 
Uh, he had a, a teacher of his years ago said, you are the biggest tenor I've ever seen. Okay? And, and that's true. But if you want to help with worship, we could always use more instrumentalists. If you're a vocalist, you can sing. We'd love to have you up here. Um, uh, only like, we only have two drummers right now. If you're a closet drummer, we need to talk to you because uh, we have two drummers and Caleb's up at school. He played today. He came down and played for us, which is great. But I'm the other drummer, so we could use some more drummers. Uh, we do have Dick uh, Cloco who plays the congas. He's great. Um, and then women's ministry uh, with Sherry Ruza. And there's all kinds of stuff uh, on the mi- women's ministry table, whether it's Zumba, uh, uh, ladies' Bible study. My wife, Kathy's going to be leading one, and Jill Elie's got one. There, there's stuff to do for you to grow and be matured and to invite friends to, right? Will, will you get in the game? Will you? I hope so. Now, listen. I mentioned a couple that came to that church long ago that visited the Bud guy. Remember that guy? The Bud guy. Let me just tell you, he and his wife, they gave their lives to Christ. He started growing in ministry. He ended up being our worship director. He ended up being on the elder board. Eventually, he ended up getting a degree from Moody Bible Institute and to this day, even right now, is preaching a message at a church where he pastors. Here's a guy who came to church, who was delivering beer all over town, who's now a pastor. This is what God can do by way of the disciple-making process. I've seen it personally. Not because of me, but because of him, with what he can do through a group of people who just loves people. And that's what we need to do. We need to love God, love people to the praise of his glory, the praise of the glory of his grace. So beloved, there are many churches that have become ineffective in their ministry as they have lost their vision and mission. But the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing by God's grace is to make disciples who make disciples for the glory of God. Our mission is to make disciples. Our motive is love. God's chosen method of disciple-making is through the church. It's time for all of us to get into the game. Would you please stand with me as we close our service? If you're a ministry leader or head, I'm gonna let you go ahead and sneak out right now. If you need to get to your table right now, go get to your table. And uh, let's just pray to wrap up our time together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, may we be about the great commission, making disciples who make disciples. And Lord, may we do that through the great commandment, through loving you, loving others, so that you would be glorified. Lord, we know that you've chosen to use the church to do that. And the church is not the building. The church is us, the people of the building. We are the church, and you've chosen to use us to build your kingdom. Lord, may we do that. May we be about that. So now, Lord, as we uh, gather together in the gym for a time of fellowship and and, uh, just talking to ministry leaders, Lord, we ask that you bless our fellowship, bless our food, and Lord, just thank you. Thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Help us to keep the main thing the main thing. 
Thank you, Lord. I pray this in your son's wonderful, awesome name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a great week.